Thank you, Brother Terry. Thank our praise team, our choir, and thank all of you for, for taking part in worship. Pray the Lord was honored and the Lord was glorified. If you brought your Bibles, let's look at a familiar verse, 2 Chronicles 7. 2 Chronicles 7, and we want to look at verse 14. And I want to share we a sermon that's simply entitled, We Need Revival. We Need Revival. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Love to hear the turning of pages in a Bible. So thank you for bringing your Bible with you. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Listen to God's word. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have again to come and worship you. And Lord, it was a joy just to sing, to praise you. And now, Father, as we open your word, help us to realize it is the word of God. It's infallible. It's inspired. It's God-breathed. It's infallible. It's inspired. It's in error. There's no error found in it. So as we read the words of this book, help us to understand that it's you speaking to us, a holy God. And so, Father, I pray you'll speak to our hearts today in regards to a need for a revival. We need revival. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. For some weeks now, God's placed upon my heart to pray for a nationwide revival. 2 Chronicles 7:14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, there are two words that you may hear in church from time to time in which you may not have a real good understanding of. And one is revival, and the other perhaps is um, a spiritual awakening. They're not one and the same. We're going to look at revival today, and we'll talk about spiritual awakening a little later on. And so if you're taking notes, what is revival? What is revival? I'm going to give you a, a good definition. I feel a good definition of what revival is. A revival is a return to spiritual health and vitality, often a period of decline into sin from a broken relationship from God. So what is revival? Real simple. A return to spiritual health and to vitality after a period of decline into sin and a broken fellowship with God. Spiritual revival. A revival is God's people when they need to be forgiven and restored to life, to spiritual health, and to spiritual vitality. 
A revival is when people surrender themselves fully to the Holy Spirit of God. And when that happens, God will draw a watching world unto Himself. And so the root word for revival is made up of two parts. Re meaning again and vive meaning to live. So revival is to live again. It's when spiritual life and vitality are returned to God's people. Revival is for God's people. Revival is not for lost people. Now at times when we have revival services, God blesses the revival service and we'll see people come to Christ, we'll see people saved. But revival is for God's people. Revival is what God does to restore His people to a right relationship with Him. And so how's your relationship with God this morning? Do you need revival? Do you need your spiritual vitality? Uh, do you need that increased in your life? Uh, do you kindly have a, a kindly of a, a run-down type of uh, spiritual vitality? Do you need that to be restored? That's revival. Now, no doubt, you'll probably agree that we're living in a very dark period in our nation's history. Uh, it, it would be a blind person, or a deaf person, or an uninformed person who does not sense that America is facing her, her greatest ordeal, her greatest challenge in this 21st century. The enemies of our nation are multiplying by the millions inside our borders. They're multiplying also by the millions outside our borders. And on the inside, there's this tremendous evidence of decadence. Decadence simply means decay. Decadence is defined as a behavior that shows low morals, uh, a great love for pleasure, a great love for money, a great love for fame. We're in a period of decadence uh, in our country. Uh, we're, we're falling into the same sins that sucked away the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire. I jotted down about three to focus on this morning. First of all, economic shambles. That's what happened in the Greek Empire. That's what happened in the Roman Empire. Economic shambles. Heavy taxation. Labor shortage. Inflation. Sucked them to the very end. Then secondly, we have this moral corruption. There's a constant rise in all types of crimes, robbery, home invasion, assaults, rape, murder. Our youth, even our older children, our youth, our young adults, our adults, even our senior adults are becoming drug addicts and alcoholics. Every sin known to man is now publicized and is found on TV, in the newspapers, magazines, internet, social media. And then you have political corruption. A number of our elected leaders sell themselves to lobbyists and other special interest groups, while we the people suffer because of their disobedience to what we would have them to do in their elected offices. And while we see our country going the way of the Romans and the way of the Greeks, for the majority of believers, the majority of believers, the Lord's day is nothing more 
than a coming day. The Lord's day is nothing more but just another holiday, a day off from work, a day where there's unopened Bibles, a day where there's unprayed prayers, a day where there's unwept tears, and churches today are less than half filled, and some of them have closed their doors. So just remember, history bears witness that when a nation forgets God, judgment and destruction soon follows. We need revival. We're in a pitiful shape. So what is revival? Revival is a time where spiritual life and vitality are restored. Revival is a return to spiritual health and after a period of spiritual decline into sin and broken fellowship with Almighty God. We need a revival in America, and I pray that it begins with me. I pray that it begins with me. And so that brings about point two if you're taking notes. How does revival begin? We've pretty well substantiated that we need revival. So how, do, how does revival begin? Well, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles uh, uh, 2, uh, uh, 7, verse 14, If my people who are called by my name, that'll be us, believers. You see, God has saved and redeemed and called out a people that uniquely belong to Him. That's the church. Ecclesia, the called out ones. And so if God's people, His called out ones, those who are truly saved, will humble themselves and do what? Pray. Pray. How does revival begin? Revival, the restoring of spiritual renewal and vitality, begins with God's people praying. If, if uh, it's a prayer of confession... It's a prayer of agreeing with God about personal sins, about national sins, and about the sins of the church. The point is, revival begins with prayer. It begins with confession. Personal confession, national confession, and then sins in the church. Now, Daniel was one of the most holiest prophets that ever lived. He was a delight unto the Lord God in heaven from his early childhood. However, Daniel prayed in a very unique way. If you will, turn to Daniel chapter 9, and we want to look at Daniel's prayer. If you take taking notes, it should be uh, probably number 3, the Daniel prayer. Now, I know he had a special diet, and we've read books about his diet, but I don't know if you've read books about his prayer. But he had this unique prayer. And I'd like for us to look at that this morning. Daniel chapter 9, beginning with verse 3. Notice Daniel in his prayer. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Now we're talking about revival, experiencing revival. We're talking about it begins by prayer, and we're seeing a we're seeing the prayer of Daniel, God seeking God for revival, personal revival. Verse four. And I prayed to the Lord my God, and I made confession and said, 
O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps His covenant and mercy with those who love Him and with those who keep His commandments, we have sinned and we've committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from Your precepts and Your judgments. Neither have we heeded Your servants, the prophets, who spoke in Your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us shame of face as it is this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all Israel, those near and those far off, and all the countries to which you have driven them, because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. O Lord, to us belongs shame of face, to our kings and princesses, our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against you. We have not obeyed the voice of our Lord God to walk in His laws which He set before us by His servants, the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against Him. And He has confirmed His words which He spoke against us and against our judges who judged us by bringing upon us great disaster from under the whole heaven. Such has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us Yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us. For the Lord God is righteous in all His works which He does, though we have not obeyed His voice. And now, O Lord God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name, as it is this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because of our sins, for our iniquities, for our fathers, Jerusalem, and your people are a reproach to all those around us. Now therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications, and for the Lord's sake, cause for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary which is desolate. Oh my God, incline your ear, your ear to hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds and because of your great mercies. O oh Lord, O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. Wow. Have you prayed a prayer like that recently? I haven't. Should we pray a prayer like that? Yes, by all means. Notice, first of all, Daniel identified with the people, with all the people. Their sins were His sins. Their judgment of God that was upon them was the judgment of God upon Him. 
Now remember this, we're living almost in a godless nation. And I expect God's judgment to fall upon America as, 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 just as I'm standing here. And I'm going to suffer because of the sins of America. With the judgment of God. If, if we don't experience national revival in our country. I will experience that. You will experience that. And so that's what we have to do. We have to identify with the sins of all the people. We can't say, look at their sins, and look at their sins, and look at their sins, and look at their sins. We have to look at our people as one with us. And so the point is, there's not going to be any loss to our nation that doesn't affect us. What affects this nation, when God brings judgment upon this nation, is not going to just affect those that are godless, it's going to affect us also. And that was the point Daniel was trying to make. There's not going to be any judgment uh, on our nation that's not going to affect us. There's not going to be judgment to fall on our nation that's not going to affect us. We need revival. We need revival. We're a part of this nation. And in revival, the point is, God's people must bear the responsibility as intercessors, praying for our nation. The liquor store owners, the bartenders, they're not going to be praying for revival. The drug traffickers, they're not going to be praying for revival. The drug pushers in our communities, on our streets, in our schools, they're not going to be praying for revival. The traffickers of young girls and young boys for sexual abuse, they're not going to be praying for revival. And so the above mentioned I just named, they're not going to be meeting for prayer. They're not going to be confessing their sins. They're not going to be looking to God for healing and for help and for forgiveness and to heal our land. So the point is, revival, a restoring of spiritual health and vitality, belongs to the people of God, to the church of Jesus Christ. That's why 1 Peter 4, 7 says, judgment must begin at the house of God. And here we are. Meaning, Judgment must begin with us. We need revival. And if there's any repercussions for the nation, it must begin right here in the heart of God's family, in the intercession, in the prayer, the prayers and the praying of God's people. So what is revival? How does revival begin? It begins with prayer. What kind of prayer? It begins by identifying with all the people of our nation. Not just pull ourselves out and say, Lord, we're pretty good, and you go ahead and judge everybody else, but let me warn you, you're going to experience the same judgment that everyone else experiences in this nation. And when the, when the judgment falls on the ungodly, it's going to fall on us also. We had better start praying for our nation. We need revival. But there's a paradox of praying for revival. Here it is. When people begin to prepare for revival, revival is 
is in process. It begins with prayer. The paradox in need of revival, when you start preparing for revival, then revival has come. When people open their hearts in prayer, when people plead with God in intercession, when people are burdened for the lost, when people are, are burdened for the destiny of their town, it's going to happen to Phil Campbell 25 years from now, 50 years from now. Russellville, the small towns, Bear Creek in and around us. Are we praying for those towns? Are we just talking about how bad it's going to be 10 years from now? Or are we praying for our leaders and for our town, our nation? And when you begin to do that, revival has begun. That's the paradox. We need revival. And as soon as God's people begin to pray, then revival has begun. It's said that Charles Spurgeon at times, he would come to the pulpit and he would look around sensing the presence of God. And he would say this, and I quote, Great blessings are in store for us today, for I see the dew of heaven scattered around. When he looked around in the congregation, he could, he could see people praying. He could identify prayer warriors praying for the service. Not talking fellowship, and, but getting ready to worship God Almighty. And he said, oh, there's a lot of dew on the ground. It meant that there were devout and praying intercessors all around before that service started. Just to let you know, every week, Two nights a week he preached. And for years, over 4,000 people met for prayer before the nightly service began. 500 people were in another room praying during the service as he stood to preach. The point is, when people began to prepare for revival, revival has begun. What is revival? How does revival begin? What about the Daniel prayer, identifying with all people? What about the paradox? Has revival begun in your life? And then you have the power of revival. Look at uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Familiar passage on the day of Pentecost. Verse 1, Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You see, the power is God's part. The praying is our part. And the power is God's part. That's God's part. And without God's power, sermons are only sounds. Sermons are only syllables without God interacting in a sermon. That's why Psalm 62 verse 11 says, The power belongs to Him. So the point is, without the presence and the unction of the Holy Spirit, that visitation from above, then there is no revival. However, when God looks down and He searches the heart, and when He finds prepared people, it is there where the glory and the majesty falls from heaven, according to Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. 
And I'm going to close with this. In the great revival meeting in Wales in 1905 and 1906, led by Evan Roberts, up and down the streets, the villages, of the villages, coal miners, thousands of them marched, and they were singing glorious hymns of praise to God. Imagine this. In the last revival that we know of in America, in 1959, in, um, not in America, but in, uh, in Ireland, in Ulster, North Ireland, in all the factories, in all the fields, in all the streets, in all the homes, everywhere, people were triumphantly singing this song. And it was a traditional revival song. Listen to the words. Wherever we meet, you always say, what's the news? What's the news? Pray, what's the order of the day? What's the news? What's the news? Oh, I've got good news to tell. My Savior's done all things well. And triumphed over death and hell. That's the news. That's the news. The Lord was slain on Calvary. That's the news. That's the news. To set a world of sinners free. That's the news. That's the news. Twas there his precious blood was shed. Twas there he bowed his sacred head. Twas there God raised him from the dead. That's the news. That's the news. His work reviving all around. That's the news. That's the news. And many has salvation found. That's the news, that's the news. And since the souls have caught the flame, they shout hosannas to His name. And all around they spread the flame. That's the news, that's the news. Traditional revival hymn of 1959. Singing, villages, cities, factories. Imagine what's revival. How does it begin? The Daniel prayer. We include ourselves with all. The paradox of praying. When we began praying for revival, revivals began in us. The power of revivals found only in the Lord God. Today, God needs you. God needs me to pray for revival. A yielded heart. God needs a yielded heart. God needs a, a yielded hand, yielded feet. I pray that God finds the heart, the hands, and the feet in us. Where we might could say, you need a heart, Lord? Here's my heart. You need hands, Lord? Here, here's my hands. You need feet, Lord? Here's my feet. You need a tongue, Lord, to testify of your mercy and salvation? Here's my tongue. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to come into your presence and just examine just for a brief while about the need for revival. We need revival. I need revival. And I pray that revival will begin in me. I pray, Lord, that revival will begin in our church to have a new spiritual vitality. 
Lord, from having departed into sin and broken fellowship with you, that we would come and humble our hearts and if possible, get on our knees and ask you to forgive us as your people for being so complacent to the things that are going on around us and in our country. God, you've blessed America. Lord, when the pilgrims set foot on, this, on these boundaries on the borders of North America, Father, you had purpose in mind for this country. And it was to be a godly country a freedom to express religion, all religion. And so, Father, we can see such a mighty change that's taking place in our country. We can see it in the economics. We can see it in the moral conditions of our country. We can see it, Father, in the politicians. And we can see where we're, we're further from you today, Lord, than we've ever been as a nation. And I pray for our nation, Lord. I pray for our leaders. I pray you'd speak to their hearts. I pray that you would withhold your judgment upon this country. And I pray for your people. I pray for us, O oh Lord, that we might take a stand for you and that we might witness of you. Use our hands. Use our feet. Use our tongues. We give you our hearts, O oh Lord, to make a difference in our land, to make a difference in our community, in our city. Let revival start here and reach our city and from our city to other cities and from our cities to the states and from our state to other states to we see a great revival spread over this country. I need revival, O Lord. Please forgive me and cleanse my heart today as I commit myself to you in a new and better way today. Father, I pray. I pray for each person here. I pray for those who have never received you as Lord and Savior of their life. Maybe they're dependent on something else. Father, they may be uh, dependent on morality. They may be dependent on uh, uh, just uh, uh, ordinances. They may be dependent upon religion. I don't know. But Lord, we know that you tell us in your word you say that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. For the people today here, maybe those listening who have never trusted just in you to be their Lord and Savior, today they would reach out with, a, uh, with an open heart and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me and come into my life and save me. I pray they would do that today. And for us who have already done that, but we've wondered from you, I pray this is a coming to you moment, Lord. Coming to you where we'll ask you to forgive us and to cleanse us. Help us to realize whatever happens to this nation in the judgment of God, we will experience it. In his judgment, and as his judgment falls, we too will experience it. And it should encourage us and behoove us, Father, to pray for this country, pray for this nation, that it will return to you, that it will turn to you. Father, thank you for what you're going to do in our invitation time today. As people make decisions, life-changing decisions, may you receive honor and glory for it all. In Jesus' name, amen.